Welcome back to Inside Fantasy Football. Today we're going to cover week eight action on Sunday and Monday. We will do a quick breakdown of the happenings on Thursday night between the Vikings and the Redskins. It was a 19-9 victory for the Vikings. Uh, pretty easy win for the Vikings. It wasn't the prettiest game in the world to watch. Uh, the usual suspects outside of Adam Thielen did their thing. Diggs went off. Cousins wasn't too bad. Dalvin Cook looked great as usual. Uh, it was a defensive performance uh, by Minnesota, which was expected, uh, especially once the rookie came in for the Redskins in the second half. McLaurin looked good until the rookie came in. Uh, for the Redskins, Peterson ran pretty hard in the first half. Uh, other than that, the game went pretty much as expected. Uh, fantasy-wise, if you took Cousins, it wasn't the greatest of nights, but it was enough to get some points on the board, especially if you're in a daily fantasy situation where he was a little bit on the cheaper end. Uh, other than that, I'm not a huge fan of Thursday night. We're going to go right into the Sunday and Monday games. We will break them down in order of the times that they're played. Uh, you can get in touch with me at toddsfantasypicks at gmail.com. That's toddsfantasypicks at gmail.com. Feel free to email me any questions you have about a batch of players on who to start. Uh, just make sure you add the scoring format of your league, and I will do my best to help you make decisions. Uh, it's gone pretty well the last few weeks. Uh, this fantasy season hasn't been as crazy as the last few. Uh, it's been somewhat predictable. Um, so far, so good on the season. I think the only mistake that I've made this year in a lot of my leagues that I pushed going into this uh, early part of this season that I, I feel bad about, uh, I wasn't the only one in the industry doing it, but you know the David Montgomery, Joe Mixon fiascos, uh, are really hurting a lot of people right now. I am one of those victims. Uh, I got David Montgomery in most of my leagues uh, and drafted him way too early in a few. The talent is there. I don't buy into this that he's not you know quick enough and he doesn't have he's just not being used properly. Matt Nagy could be the most overrated play caller I think I've ever seen in the NFL. For a guy that got so much publicity for his nuances and the way he calls uh, certain formations and the way he uses his assets, uh, everybody assumed that this year uh, certain things were going to happen with that Bears offense. Um, and it starts with Mitchell Trubisky. He really, really has just decimated that offense, along with terrible play calling, horrible clock management. Um, I I really am starting the bandwagon to get Nagy out of Chicago. I think that the guy is just, I mean, he's right there in Adam Gates territory. Just one of the worst head coaches I've seen in recent times. And as far as they got last year, I really put a lot of that on a really good defense. And the guy that was running that defense is now the head coach in Denver. And it's showing the defense has really taken a hit this year in Chicago, and with Mitchell Trubisky being a, I mean, I don't even know if he's worthy as a backup quarterback. That is how bad Mitchell Trubisky is. It's unbelievable what's happening in Chicago right now. Things are going to have to change. We will get to their matchup with the Chargers later, and I do think David Montgomery could be a flex play this week. I know it sounds crazy, but if you're in a bind, the Ravens and Cowboys are on a bye this week. If you're needing to fill a spot and desperate and you have him at the bottom of your bench or he could be on a lot of waiver wires right now, he might be a decent play against a horrible run defense, a decimated injured defense in L.A. in the Chargers. So I do think there's still hope. I think this week is his last shot as far as fantasy goes. If he doesn't produce this week against the Chargers, you can pretty much drop David Montgomery or in a dynasty league, just bury him on your bench until they get a new coach, a new regime in Chicago, or Matt Nagy wakes up and learns how to use his running backs properly. He should be using a two running back system 
with Cohen being the scat back, the guy you get the ball in the open field. You can have both backs on the field together and in a, quite a few formations. And I know Nagy has these formations at his disposal, and he refuses to run them properly. I just don't understand it. I really don't understand what Matt Nagy is doing. If you watched that game last week, and I understand the Saints could have, and they do have probably the best run defense in the NFL, and they're definitely a top three defense and have been playing, I'd say New England, I know they haven't played anybody, but it has to be New England number one and the Saints number two as far as defense. So I get it. Chicago came in knowing they were going to face a formidable opponent on defense. And Nagy just really abandoned, totally abandoned the running game. And I understand you're not going to get much against the Saints, but you've got to make defenses honest. How can you expect Trubisky or anybody you put at quarterback there for the Bears, if you had zero running game, they're going to peel their ears back and they're going to come at you back there. They're not going to give you much. They've had Lattimore. They have guys that can cover in single coverage. You've got to make them honest. It's just, it blows my mind. This is why David Montgomery is having a horrific year. Is simply because he's not being used properly. And I know the few games that he got a ton of touches, he didn't get much. But that falls on multiple factors. It's not on David Montgomery. It is somewhat on David Montgomery. He needs to up his game, yes. But that offensive line has had issues. They've got injuries up and down. You've got to do... What you've got to do to get your offense running right in Chicago. And Matt Nagy is not doing that for everybody except for Allen Robinson. That's just because Mitchell Trubisky has eyes for Allen Robinson. That is the guy he goes to. So the only true fantasy relevant player going forward, and I do think Montgomery has a chance this week, will be Allen Robinson on that offense. But uh, the David Montgomery fiasco really has hurt a lot of people. Joe Mixon, I mean, it's pretty explainable. The team around him is just terrific. He's a patient runner, and he can't get anything going behind that offensive line. You can't be a patient runner like Le'Veon Bell or Joe Mixon. They, they're guys that wait for the hole to develop. They let their blockers do their thing and hit the hole. If the guys can't make anything happen during those few seconds of waiting for that hole to open up, it's just collapsing. And David Montgomery falls in that category with Joe Mixon, Le'Veon Bell. They run patiently. Only works with great offensive lines. Good to great offensive lines. And Mixon, Bell, and Montgomery do not have that. So I think Montgomery, it's just a matter of getting the right pieces around him. This may not be the year for him, but I do think we have one last week here against the Chargers. All right, we're going to jump right into this. I've got an hour to knock out 14 games, guys. I'm going to give you the most fantasy-relevant players in each matchup who I think is going to produce this week for you. If you have any other questions other than what I provide on the podcast, feel free to hit me up at toddsfantasypicks at, g- at gmail.com. I will do my best to fill in any questions you have outside of the podcast info. All right, we're going to jump right into... Uh, our first game on the slate on Sunday. It's the Seahawks at the Falcons. Uh, this should be a great matchup for the Seahawks players. Uh, the Falcons defense, especially their secondary, is decimated. I mean, just unbelievable amount of injuries there. Uh, they're pretty much folding it up. Uh, Matt Ryan's having some injury issues with a high ankle sprain. Looks like Matt Schaub is going to be playing this weekend. They traded Mohamed Sanu to the New England Patriots this week. So I think they're pretty much punting this season. It looks like they're going to bring a new regime in next year. I think uh, the head coach is definitely definitely a dead man walking at this point in Atlanta. It's just a lost season for them, sadly. Uh, and with all that talent on offense, it's just a sad thing to see how uh, this season has unfolded for the Falcons. Uh, but for the Seahawks in this matchup, I want to go right to the guy that I think is the sleeper in this game. Sleeper might be a big word, but he's definitely the guy that I think could be a, a difference maker at a flex because he's going to be cheap in daily fantasy. And I know he's on a lot of benches and seasonal. DK Metcalf should have a flex-worthy game in this game. Is he going to go off and go crazy? I don't know. 
but I do think he's going to get some red zone looks. He's got nine red zone looks already this year. I think Russell's going to look for him if they get inside the 20. He might even do a couple bombs to this guy down the field. I think Metcalf's going to get some chunks of yardage. So Metcalf is a strong sleeper flex play. I think uh, Tyler Lockett, of course, is locked in as a strong wide receiver too. He should have a very, very good game. I think Chris Carson, even though Atlanta does have a pretty decent run defense, Chris Carson is an RB1 locked in week in, week out at this point. Russell Wilson, of course, is a set-it-and-forget-it quarterback. He's one of the top quarterbacks, if not the top quarterback in the NFL right now. So Russell Wilson, goes without saying, is a must-start. If you want to dig deep, you're in a super deep league, or you're trying to get somebody cheap on daily fantasy, Jerome Brown might be a decent play at wide receiver. Those receivers are going to get some yards and some uh, pay dirt this week. It's just a matter of how it's distributed. That secondary is so bad in Atlanta. I just don't see how uh, Russell doesn't throw for three fifty and four, uh, you know, three to four touchdowns in this game. So I do think Metcalf has a play for one or two of those. Lockett has a play for a couple of those, one or two touchdowns, as well as you know, eighty to hundred yards. His usual three or four targets, but he gets eighty and a touchdown every time. Lockett is an enigma as far as fantasy goes. Doesn't get a ton of targets, doesn't get a ton of catches, but he gets a ton of yards and touchdowns. He gets them in chunks. That's the way Russell plays off that play action. So Lockett, Wilson, Metcalf are must plays. Jerome Brown is your deep, deep play for Seattle. On the Atlanta side, really there's no one else. Ito Smith is out with an injury. Seattle doesn't have the defense that they used to have. I do think Devontae Freeman is a playable asset this week, even if Matt Schaub is at quarterback. I don't know if Freeman's going to get a ton of rushing yards, but he does get a lot of play in the passing game. I also think uh, Austin Hooper is a must-play at tight end. He's a tight end one. And I think Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones are both startable in this game. They're going to be playing from behind. They're going to have to throw quite a bit. So Julio, he's a week-in, week-out guy. He's matchup-proof. You never know when he's going to go off. And I do think Calvin Ridley gets a huge bump in this game. With Sanu gone, those targets are going to get distributed. I think it helps uh, Hooper, and it helps Calvin Ridley big time. I think this pushes Calvin Ridley into an upper echelon wide receiver two area. I think he has the talent to rise in this offense. It would be better if Matt Ryan plays. There is a slight chance Matt Ryan plays. I doubt it. I don't think he's been officially ruled out. But Calvin Ridley, this week, even in this matchup and in the way their season is going, I still think the way it's set up right now with Sanu being traded, Calvin Ridley is a must-start week in, week out at this point. Always factor in they're going to be playing from behind. Of course, I've got Seahawks winning this game easily. We're going to move on to the Broncos at the Colts. Uh, We're going to start on the Colts side. They've been playing very, very well, beating the Chiefs and the Texans lately. Brissett has shown that he is ready uh, to be a leader on this offense. He has the talent. We're seeing it this year. He's not the most exciting quarterback to watch in the world, but he gets it done. He's accurate. He doesn't make too many mistakes. Runs that offense well behind that great offensive line. Jacoby Brissett in a tough, tough matchup. He's not quite in my top 12. He's in a lot of people's uh, top 12 around the 10, 11th ranking. I've got him a little outside of that this week. I think they're going to lean heavily on Marlon Mack. But Brissett is still a playable quarterback this week. I think he's going to get enough to make it, you know, 20 to 25 points. He'll get a few red zone touchdowns. Uh, the, Col- the Broncos are not very good. The Colts are a better team, so I think they're going to be in the red zone a few times, and that's where Brissett, Ebron, and so on do well. So Brissett is somewhat of a playable quarterback this week. Marlon Mack is a must-start for me. I think he's going to get the rock quite a bit. He's going to be active in the passing game, I believe, as well, even though Naeem Hines is there. Mack, Brissett as a risky play at quarterback. Ebron is a startable tight end this week. The Broncos are not great against the tight end. So Ebron is a startable uh, tight end, back end tight end one this week. 
I have him ranked ninth in my rankings. T.Y. Hilton is a must-start wide receiver. One of those one or two touchdowns that Brissett gets will probably go to Hilton. He'll get you some yards, too. He's one of the top receivers in the game. Hilton is a must-start. And I do think Pascal, on the opposite end at wide receiver, is a Boomer bust, wide receiver three. He had a big game against the Texans last time out. I think they're going to try to continue that trend, especially if Hilton gets doubled. I don't know if he – see, that's the thing with Hilton. That's the thing about this matchup. I don't know how well Pascal's going to do. That's why he's a boomer bust, wide receiver three. He's in the top 40 for me in the back end there, probably around 38th, I believe I have him ranked. And the reason why he's not any higher is they're going to put Chris Harris probably on Hilton. He's going to get – uh, just shadowed, if not doubled and bracketed if needed. But if he gets singled by Harris and they don't need to, I think that's going to hurt Pascal. They're going to drop some more backs towards Ebron and Pascal on their end. So uh, Pascal is a very risky wide receiver three start. So your definite starts for the Colts would be Brissett, Hilton, and Mack. Ebron as well, with Pascal being your risky deep, deep play. Uh, for the Colts this week. On the Broncos side, this is a tough one with their running backs. Uh, Is it Freeman or Lindsey? It's always a 50-50 thing. I lean Lindsey this week. If I had to choose between Freeman and Lindsey, I would choose Lindsey this week at running back. He is a uh, back end. He's just a flex play for me this week, Lindsey. He's probably in the RB3 range. I don't even put him in the RB2 uh, this week. But he could be a risky flex play for you. Cortland Sutton has turned into a week-in, week-out must-start at wide receiver. Uh, Flacco looks for Sutton. Sutton has the talent and the size to be matchup-proof. And I think Sutton is, now that Sanders has been traded to the Niners, Sutton is your lone piece to start there. And my risky deep play for the Denver Broncos this week is Noah Fant at tight end. I know he hasn't done much so far this year, but I do think against this Colts defense, they are going to be looking elsewhere. Uh, They don't cover the tight end very well. That's one of their few weak spots on defense. I think Noah Fant has a chance, has a chance to do something, maybe fall across that goal line, get you a touchdown. Uh, not going to get you a ton of yards. He has the talent to do this eventually. He is a rookie. Rookie tight ends usually struggle a bit. But Noah Fan is my deep play for the Denver Broncos this week. And Freeman, I know I've been getting a lot of emails about Freeman this week. I would shy away from Freeman. I still have Lindsey ahead of him. It's not much. They're almost interchangeable. If you don't have Lindsey, I think Freeman would be a very much boomer bust. You're going to need a touchdown for him to be relevant at flex. All right, we're going to move on to a, a game I'm kind of looking forward to. This is a fun game. I know it's two teams that uh, you know really haven't killed it this year. They're still trying to find themselves a little bit. But the Buccaneers at the Titans, there's a lot of fantasy relevance in this game. Let's jump right into it. We're going to start on the Buccaneers side of the ball. It's at Tennessee. Tennessee plays very well at home. Their defense is very strong at home. I still have Chris Godwin as a locked-in top eight wide receiver. So Godwin is locked in. Evans is not too far behind him. He's a top 15 wide receiver from this week. Those two are going to be heavily targeted this week. I don't see the run game getting off the ground against this Titans defense. Once again, Winston is going to have to battle through his three, four, five interceptions that he tends to throw every week. When he does that, Outside of the interceptions and the overthrown passes, uh, Evans and Godwin should get some run. I know it's been frustrating for Evans owners with Godwin snaking quite a bit of the uh, the targets, but you've got to understand that if Godwin isn't doing what he's doing, Evans would be double and triple team bracketed all day long. So there is going to be moments where Evans is going to be singled or he's going to get a zone coverage on him. And I think that is where Evans has a chance this week to do what he does and get in some situations. If he ever gets in a single situation, he doesn't lose those. It's just a matter of Winston getting him the ball in the right spot. So Evans, I know it's frustrating. He's an up-and-down guy this year. 
you've got to start Mike Evans every week. He has a chance every week to go off. So Evans, Godwin, OJ Howard is out this week with a hamstring issue. Cameron Brait is a must-start at tight end. I put him in my top 12. I think Brait against the Titans, who are very bad against the uh, tight end. Horrible against the tight end. Cameron Brait is a must-start. Go get him off your waiver wire, unless you've got one of the top tight ends. If you're one of those guys like me in quite a bit of my leagues, I'm not an early tight end drafter. So I'm doing a lot of streaming. If you're streaming this week, go get Cameron Brait. Great. Evans, Godwin are all startable. Winston is a risky QB2 play this week. They're going to have to throw. They're not going to be able to run against this Titans defense. They're going to have to air out the ball. Now, you're going to deal with turnovers and fumbles with Winston. That's just part of the deal. And he's horrific. He will drive you nuts to watch if he's your fantasy quarterback because it can look so bad at times. But usually by the end of the game, he gets you 22 to 25 points. He'll even in garbage time he'll get Godwin a bunch of targets and you know they'll they'll score at the end even if they're down by quite a bit. Even though this game I don't have it as a a barn burner, I think it's going to be twenty to seventeen Titans. Uh, But I do think those two touchdowns are going to probably go to Evans and Godwin, one of the two, if not two to one of those guys. It's going to be a mixture of those two, I believe. Cameron Brait could even snake a tight end from one of those guys this week. So Brait, Godwin, Evans, and Winston as your uh, deep play at quarterback. For the Titans, Tannehill is a must-start at quarterback. He's a streamer this week. He's not a week-in, week-out guy yet. He had a great first start last week. or I wouldn't say great. He had a very good first start last week. He's... Put moving the ball around in this offense, which Mariota has been unable to do for a couple seasons. So Tannehill, to me, is a good streamer this week at quarterback. I think Corey Davis and A.J. Brown are startable flexes this week. I think Corey Davis is even more so creeping into the wide receiver two category. I think he's going to get more targets from a quarterback that's able to get him the ball where he can catch it. Because there's numerous times every game where Mariota just could not put the ball where it needed to be to Corey Davis. Of course, it makes Corey Davis look bad because at the end of the day, his stat sheet looked horrible. But if you watch Titans games, and trust me, they're boring to watch. They're one of the most unexciting teams in the NFL to watch. Mariota just simply would underthrow, overthrow receivers and tight ends very consistently. Corey Davis was a recipient of quite a few of those where his day could have gone a lot differently if the ball was placed properly. I think Tannehill, he's not a great quarterback. He is your classic backup quarterback. But I think he is a ton better than Mariota at this point in their careers. Last week proved that. As soon as Tannehill starts the game, all of a sudden, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are fantasy relevant. Very simple outcome there. So Corey Davis and A.J. Brown are startable. Corey Davis is the safer of the two. I have A.J. Brown in a few leagues. He's still on my bench. I've got guys ahead of him that I have to start, but I will definitely have eyes on this game. A.J. Brown has the the size and the talent to be a very, very good receiver in this league. If he can get in an offense that has a quarterback that can get him the ball with his size, the sky's the limit for that kid. Corey Davis on the opposite side. They have a chance to have a decent wide receiver duo here that both can be fantasy relevant within their system. So A.J. Brown, risky boomer bust wide receiver three this week. Corey Davis is a back end wide receiver two this week. He is a startable piece at wide receiver this week. Johnu Smith is playing for the uh, for Delaney Walker, who is hurt this week. He is a startable streaming top 12 tight end this week. Johnu Smith. So Johnu Smith, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown is your risky play, and Tannehill as your streamer at quarterback. And, of course, a strong RB2, even against a very formidable, uh, I mean, a, I wouldn't say great. I, I keep trying to say great today. I'm trying to lose this great uh, word here. But. A very, very strong run defense in Tampa Bay. You have to start Derrick Henry. You're probably not going to get a ton of yards, but if they get anywhere through this passing game, get down inside the five, 
which happens in the NFL all the time. Even though he has 20, 30 yards on 10, 12 carries at that time, and you're wanting to freak out watching this game, thinking Henry's going to ruin your week, he is a great goal line back. So if they get inside the five a couple times, you're looking at a very good chance Henry gets a couple touchdowns this week. My prediction on Henry is 45 yards and two TDs this week. That is probably right around what's going to happen with that guy with this defense. Now, the risk there is the touchdowns. There's no guarantee that you're going to get those inside the five and goal line work. So he's a little riskier than usual against this Tampa Bay defense. But I have faith that the Titans are going to move the ball down the field. And I do think Henry's going to at least get you a touchdown. And where you drafted Derrick Henry, he's a must start. So Henry, Mariota, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, and Jonu Smith, all startable for the Titans this week. Once again, I have Titans winning 2017. All right, we're going to move on to the Bengals at the Rams. This should be a blowout. They're in London, so that kind of changes. You know, teams have been traveling. They're in a weird stadium, you know. It, it seems to affect the game a little bit. The players are kind of out of their element a little bit. Probably some uh, distractions off the field, to say the least. But that being said, these are NFL players. They're going to come in ready. Bengals are decimated. Uh, they're, you know, the worst right there with the Dolphins, one of the worst teams in football, sadly. Uh, and I have the Rams full go in this game. I think Gurley is going to try to get involved. He's never going to be the Gurley he has been. we got to understand that. There's going to be a new version of Gurley going forward, and he's not going to be as dynamic. But I do think we're heading into the second half of the year. I think the Rams are going to start deploying Gurley a little bit more in the passing game. Uh, they need to turn their seats around and get some wins. So I think the way the Rams work, the way that offense uh, works well is – Todd Gurley and the running attack being used not only to run, but in the passing game as well. Uh, I'm hesitant to start any of the back. Uh, Henderson, I I would stick with Gurley in this situation. I think he's going to have a bounce back here. This Rams offense is really looking to turn around. So Gurley, I think Goff is startable this week against that horrific Bengals defense. Goff, it's almost a must start this week. He's definitely a top 12 ranked quarterback this week. Cooks is probably your riskiest of the receivers. He's just one of those guys that he gets chunks of yards from time to time. He's had a really bad year, but he's dealing with concussions. He's just been out of his element this year. I think he's similar to Gurley in the fact that I think he's looking to turn things around a little bit. So I do think Cooks is a startable wide receiver, and I do think must-starts are Cooper Cup, Gerald Everett at tight end, and Robert Woods. So your must-starts for the Rams are Goff, Gurley, Woods, Everett and Cup. I think your risky start is Brandon Cooks, but he's still a startable wide receiver three for me this week. Only reason why he's dropping so much is just I think he's having an off year. I think defenses are keen on him and daring them to use Cup and Woods because they're less dynamic than Cooks is with his speed. So even against a horrible defense like this, they're still going to try to bracket Cooks a little bit and shy, uh, you know, shy away to his side a little bit. But even so, against the Bengals defense that's decimated, a team that is just down and out, I think all three are startable this week, Cooks, Woods, and Cup. Gerald Everett has turned into a I mean, surefire tight end one. He's getting you know between seven and nine targets the last three weeks. So Gerald Everett is a go at tight end. If you have him, you have to start him. Every week going forward. On the Bengals side, this is tough. The Rams defense is revamped. I really am struggling to find any pieces to start here. I guess the one piece I would tell you, the risky, risky play here would be Tyler Boyd. Uh... They're going to be behind, so if you're in a deep, deep league, two-quarterback league, and you're struggling with the buys, maybe Andy Dalton just because they're going to be playing from behind, but I really would shy away from even Andy Dalton as a stretch, deep, deep play. Uh, The only other deep play I would say outside of Tyler Boyd for the Bengals is Auden Tate. 
I think he may get some looks when they're trying to catch up in garbage time. Joe Mixon is not startable right now. He needs to be on benches. He's to the point now, if you can't sell him to somebody for anything, I mean, he could be dropped. That is how bad, outside of keeper leagues. If you're in a keeper league, you need to hold on to him because maybe they figure out a way to get an offensive line next year. You got to look forward to next year. Uh, But if you're like in a four-keeper league or not in a dynasty league, I mean, I don't even think Mixon is worth a keeper right now like he's not I mean I don't think it's not even a think thing he's definitely not a keeper right now so Mixon is close to being droppable this game against this Rams defense Aaron Donald in that front I would definitely not start Joe Mixon this week so really two deep plays that's it in the wide receiving game for the Bengals that might get you some points at a flex is Auden Tate and Tyler Boyd And those I really would not, I I suggest that you do not start those guys. But if you have to, just know that it's going to be very risky. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, I guess it goes without saying I've got Rams uh, crushing the Bengals in that game. Uh, The Eagles at the Bills. Now, this is a a game. uh, This is a cornered animal game. This is the Eagles have to win this game. If they lose this game, they're pretty much out of the playoffs. At least that's going to be the mindset. And mathematically, they still have definitely have a chance. Uh, but the way they've been playing, the way this season's going, I think this is a make-or-break game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Therefore, I have them winning this game. I think they're going to play desperate. And I know the odds are against them playing against that Bills defense in Buffalo. But I do think that... Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, and company. Uh, Jordan Howard. I even think Miles Sanders will get involved. They're going to play desperate. They're going to go all out to win this game. I think Peterson, the head coach, is going to be on his game play calling. I think this is, they're going to treat this like a playoff game in that locker room. This is their season on the line. Buffalo's 5-1. and one. I think they understand the Eagles are going to come in aggressive. They're aware of the situation, but I don't think they're going to match up to the Eagles as far as intensity this game. I do think the Bills at home are the better team and should be favored. But I've got the Eagles winning this game. I think it's going to be a 27-21 good win for the Eagles to try to turn things around. I'm not a huge Eagles fan. I'm just saying what I think is going to happen. I call them definitely this fits the description of the cornered animal game when there is they their backs against the wall. Everything's on the line for the Eagles in that locker room. Uh, therefore, I've got Alshon Jeffrey having a decent day. It's a good pass defense, and it's not going to be easy sledding. But I do think Jeffrey could get one of those wins TDs. Zach Ertz, I know he's had a rough season so far, a little up and down. It's hard to find some touchdowns for this guy. But I do think this is, if you're going to win a must-win game with your season on the line and you have the second or third best tight end in football, one of the best receiving tight ends in football, you have to get Zach Ertz involved. I think Ertz has a breakout game here for this year, a breakout. uh, And... I really believe that. I think it's going to be Ertz and Wentz. Both are must-starts this week. I think Wentz is going to come and air it out and try to win this game for this team. Even though his offensive line is not giving him much time, doesn't do great with pressure. But I do think the situation calls for these guys to rise above it. I think Wentz, Ertz, Alshon, and Jordan Howard are all must-starts. Miles Sanders is a startable flex this week. He gets enough. He's a startable flex in PPR. If you're not in PPR, Miles Sanders is not startable. But in PPR, he works a lot in the passing game. Miles Sanders is a good flex this week. On the Bills side. Frank Gore is startable at running back. Singletary is not there yet, guys. He's so close. This could be the week where he does something, but he's not quite there yet. John Brown is startable. The Bills DST is a startable defense this week. 
I think the Eagles are going to be scrambling, trying to make things happen. They should get a turnover or two. Still have Eagles winning. Uh, but uh, that's pretty much how that's going to go. I think it's going to be a crazy game. I think that's going to be one of those sneaky, good games. I think it's a game you need to definitely keep your eye on while you're at the sports bar or on DirecTV at home, whatever. Trust me when I tell you, this Bills-Eagles game is going to be a barn burner. It's going to be a good, fun football game to watch. Of course, Allen at quarterback for the Bills is a must-start this week in my eyes. I think the Eagles... The way they stop the run. that Frank Gore, by the way, he is going to be a touchdown-dependent boomer bust RB3 this week. So when I say Frank Gore's a must-start, I take that back. He's not a must-start. If you start Frank Gore, he's going to be touchdown-dependent. I might even slide him into the flex territory this week. But he is startable in my eyes. In my opinion, Frank Gore is startable this week. Singletary, let's see. I think he could have a little bit of a breakout here, but I can't predict that quite yet. I haven't seen it yet, so uh, I can't tell you to start Singletary, but he is a guy. Don't drop him. Be patient with Singletary. If Gore gets hurt or something comes up as the season goes along, I think Singletary going into those fantasy playoffs could be a very relevant player. So Allen at quarterback is startable. Brown, Gore is risky. And if I had to choose a tight end, my deep, deep sleeper play for Buffalo this week is Dawson Knox at tight end. All right, we're going to move on to the Chargers at the Bears, the game I mentioned at the top of the podcast. We'll start off with the Bears. Allen Robinson is a week-in, week-out, wide receiver one, must start, no matter who's at quarterback. I do believe David Montgomery is a flex play this week. Not a popular opinion, But the Chargers have a terrible defense. I think it's time for Montgomery and Matt Nagy to get on the same page and get this kid the ball in the open field. Quit running him up the guards, but get this guy in the gaps. Get him outside, a pitch, a screen, something. You got to use David Montgomery differently. Matt Nagy, you're using him wrong. Good Lord. I mean, I'm some idiot sitting in my house watching this, and I'm, I know what to do with this kid better than Matt Nagy. And I understand they've got issues on the offensive line. They've played some tough opponents. I understand all of that. I'm watching the game with my eyeballs. It's football. And David Montgomery is not being used right. I think this week they're going to try. I think he's going to get one of those. He's had a couple 20 touch games, and they haven't gone well because he was used improperly. I'm assuming if if Matt Nagy is as smart as he thinks he is, I think he's going to, yes, Tariq Cohen is a playable asset this week. He's my deep play for the Bears this week. I think he's a boomer bust, sneaky flex play this week. I think they're going to use him quite a bit in the passing game. May even use him in some draw situations running the ball. But I also think if they run their offense properly, Montgomery should get around 20 touches. You can run that offense properly in Chicago if you get David Montgomery 20 touches and you get Cohen 12 to 15 touches. Even 10 to 12 touches for Cohen, those are your dynamic touches. He's like a mini version of Tyreek Hill. If you can get him in the open field, get him a good bubble screen, Cohen can do whatever in the open field. He's fast, agile, good athlete. So I do think if Nagy does what he's supposed to do against a defense that is struggling, Cohen is a startable flex play. Montgomery, startable flex play. Robinson, startable wide receiver one. It stops there, though. Those are the off, those are the uh, fantasy-relevant players for the Bears. Uh, they should have more on that offense if it was running properly. By the way, I've got the Bears winning this game. I think it's a desperate win for them. I think the defense is going to show up against the struggling Chargers offense as well. I've got Bears winning that game 20 20- Seven to 23. On the Charger side, Eckler is a must start in PPR. Gordon is at best right now a flex play, a risky flex play in only standard leagues. Gordon is not startable in PPR at this point. And I don't see him having a breakout against the Chicago Bears. So, this is part of that Chargers situation. They just the Gordon thing just really threw this team for a loop. So Eckler startable. Uh, Keenan Allen is a startable wide receiver even against the Bears. 
Rivers is not startable this week in my eyes. Mike Williams, I don't believe, is startable this week. Uh, and, of course, Hunter Henry is startable. So Henry and Eckler and Keenan Allen are your must-starts for the Chargers this week. Gordon, only a risky flex play in standard. All right, we're going to move on to the Giants at the Lions. Another very interesting under-the-radar game this week. There's a lot of uh, stuff going on in this game, fantasy-wise and real-life-wise. Uh, on the Lions' side, uh, uh, Ty Johnson is a must-play. Nah, he's not a must-play, but he's a very strong RB back-end RB2 this week. I do think he is playable, startable if you can. I'm sure a lot of people got him off the waiver liar. I am one of those people that did. Uh, McKissick is startable in PPR at a flex in PPR McKissick. Stafford is a must-start streaming quarterback this week. Galladay and Marvin Jones are startable. I lean more Galladay this week. I think it's a squeaky wheel game. I think Galladay's been kind of left out recently. And especially with that Marvin Jones four touchdown thing, I think that really got Galladay's eyes open. I think he's going to have a big day. I think Hawkinson is your sneaky deep play this week at tight end. Marvin Jones is a wide receiver three. Boomer bust guy. He's got the talent to give you steady numbers. Giants are not very good. So this week, Marvin Jones is a startable wide receiver three. So Jones, wide receiver three, startable. Galladay, must start. Stafford, must start. Ty Johnson, must start. McKissick, must start. Hawkinson, deep, deep start at tight end. I think it's time for the kid to actually hold on to the ball in the end zone. That would be great. On the Giants side, Saquon Barkley is a weekend, week out, must start. Evan Ingram is a must start at tight end. And Golden Tate is definitely... Darius Slay is out this weekend, even though Darius Slay would not be on Golden Tate. Uh, but I do think it kind of changes the defensive outlook for the Lions. So Golden Tate, Ingram, and Saquon Barkley are must-starts. Uh, Danny Dimes, even against this, this Detroit defense, I got to see it. Uh, he's not startable this week for me. The Jets at the Jack, I have the Lions winning that game, by the way. It's in Detroit. I do have the Lions winning that game. Uh, the Jets at the Jaguars. First of all, Sam Darnold is a good quarterback. He played a team that just ousted his offensive line, blew through the line on every pass play. I know the see the ghost thing came out with the NFL miking him up, which was ridiculous. They should have not done that. They made the kid look horrible. Uh, I just I disagree with how that was handled by the NFL. Uh, you can't throw a kid like that out to the wolves and turn it into a story like that. It's just a bad look. They deserve an apology from the NFL, I believe, I, especially Sam Darnold. He's in his second year. He's a kid. Uh, you, you can't you know have him mic'd up and make him look like a fool like that when he's playing the best defense in the NFL at this point. All right, Sam Darnold against the Jaguars, believe it or not, is a sneaky back-end QB2 play. Robbie Anderson is a startable wide receiver three this week. And in PPR, Crowder, I know he's dealing with an injury. If he plays, he is startable in PPR at a flex. On the Jaguar side, uh, Minshew is a startable quarterback this week. Fournette is startable. DJ Chark is a wide receiver one week in, week out now. Out of nowhere. It's Chark time. Uh, the, the kid is good. He's big, strong, fast receiver. Minshew's been getting him the ball in the right spots. D.D. Westbrook is dealing with injuries. And I just don't trust him this week, so I would shy away from D.D. Westbrook. So Chark, Fournette, and Minshew are your must-starts for the Jaguars this week. I have the Jags winning this game. I have them winning pretty handily. I, uh, 24 to 10 is what I have uh, for the Jaguars-Jets. I just think the Jets are still trying to find themselves. Oh, and on the Jets side, I apologize. Le'Veon Bell is an RB2, startable RB2 this week. He's still looking for that first 100-yard game. It's a tough front there in Jacksonville to run the ball on. But I still believe that with his talent, with Darnold coming back and opening things up a little bit, Le'Veon is still fantasy relevant 
going forward. Their schedule gets easier the next few weeks. So hold on to Le'Veon Bell. Be patient. He is a startable RB2 this week. Once again on the Jaguars, Minshew, Fournette, and Chark. We're going to move on to the Panthers at the Niners. I've got the Niners winning this game. I think it's going to be 21-13 to 13 Niners. We'll start on the Niners side. First of all, new toy. Same offense he was running in Denver. I got Emmanuel Sanders as a strong wide receiver three this week. He is very startable in San Francisco, even in that uh, non-existent passing game with Garoppolo. I think the reason why they got Sanders is they're trying to open it up a little bit. That'll help their running game even more. So Sanders is startable at wide receiver. George Kittle is a week-in, week-out tight end one starter. Out of that muddled backfield in San Francisco, I go with Coleman. I think he is a strong start RB2 this week, even against a pretty good run defense in Carolina. I think he should get a touchdown at least, and he's used in the passing game as well. So Coleman, Kittle, Sanders are your startable assets for the Niners. Garoppolo just doesn't have enough volume at this point. I dropped him in a couple of my dynasty leagues. I just I didn't see it going this route. Maybe that's going to get amped back up with Sanders coming into the fold. Uh, but they're a run-heavy team with a good defense. That's just how they're going to approach it. Shanahan is creative in the way he does it. Uh, well, they're one of my favorites in the NFC. The 49ers have a legitimate chance to go to the Super Bowl this year. That defense, one of the best defenses. I've seen. I think this Niners defense this year could be better than the Bears defense last year. And I think they're better than the New England defense. New England hasn't played anybody. One of the easiest schedules to start a season I have ever seen in New England. So it's hard to compare them to the Niners. Niners have played some real tough opponents up to this point. And I do think the Niners are probably the best pound-for-pound defense in the NFL at this point. And I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. Because of that defense, they are favored in this game. That is a must-start DST week in, week out. On the Panthers' side, you have to start McCaffrey. He's going to be running up against the brick wall quite a bit, but I do think through the passing game, he might get into the end zone. He's going to get you some pass yards, a few rush yards, maybe you know a touchdown or two. That's what McCaffrey does. He is matchup proof at this point, but I do think you need to scale down a little bit of what you predict from McCaffrey this week going up against the Niners. Samuel is a very risky flex play against this defense. DJ Moore is the only one that's a little bit more solid. He's still risky, but he's less risky than Samuel at a flex play. DJ Moore. I wouldn't start any other assets <clears throat> on that Carolina team against this San Francisco defense. I just It's too risky. I wouldn't touch much other than McCaffrey to be honest with you. And I think DJ Moore in garbage time or when they're just trying to catch up second half, I think DJ Moore might get some looks. He's the only one that I think could make something out of nothing. Once again, I got Niners winning pretty easily. It's in San Francisco. All right, we're going to move on to the Raiders at the Texans. Josh, we're going to start with the Raiders. Josh Jacobs is not practicing all week. Got a bad shoulder, says he's going to play Sunday. Gruden hasn't guaranteed that, but it's looking like he's trending towards playing. My thing with Jacobs is this, and I'm a heavy Jacobs owner. I own him in most of my leagues. I drafted him probably too early in a lot of leagues, but I love Josh Jacobs. My issue is Texans have a very good run defense. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher since last season. Watt and company up front have been playing very strong. Very, very strong, especially against the run game. Now, the pass game's a different story, but the run game has been tough. With that linebacking core with Watt leading the front end there on the line, very, very difficult to run. I think with Jacobs, what you're going to be looking for is a little bit in the pass game and goal line work. He's very good for his size. Jacobs is very, very good around that goal line. So I do think he could possibly get a goal line touch touchdown. I also think he's going to get a little bit more work than usual in the passing game. Assuming this shoulder holds up, 
and that's part of it with Jacobs I wanted to get to, is with Jacobs, you got to understand there's a risk that that shoulder puts him out early. There's also the risk of them falling behind to the Texans quite a bit, because I do have the Texans blowing out the Raiders on Sunday. I don't think it's going to be close. Even though the Raiders have kept all their games close, I really think the Texans are going to put them, put it on them on Sunday. Texans are at home in this matchup, by the way. So, and the Texans aren't a blowout type team, but for some reason I got this gut feeling, you know, not in a, a horrific blowout, but I've got like a 31-17 ball game here and probably a bigger blowout than the score shows. I've got them, you know, probably up 31 to 10 at some point in my head. So, with that being said, the Raiders may be playing some catch up if that's the case. They're going to be sitting Jacobs in that situation and running over Shard and Washington a lot. So there's some a ton of risk with Jacobs, more than usual this week. But he is still a startable RB2 just because of the talent alone. He's that good of a runner. I mean, Jacobs is so good. He's still a rookie, has a lot to work on. But this kid in year two and three is going to be serious. I mean, put a good line around that guy or a decent offense. Jacobs, sky's the limit. Yeah, he's not in that category. Dalvin Cook or McCaffrey or any of those guys, but he's a very—he'll be a very good second-tier running back. So he's still a very startable flex. They're saying Ty Williams is going to start at wide receiver. He will be a startable wide receiver too because the secondary for the Texans is horrific, and that ten to seventeen points that I predict for the Raiders should all come through the air because they're not going to get much on the ground. And everybody knows that the backfield, defensive backfield for the Texans is not good. So you're looking at Waller is a must-start at tight end. Ty Williams, a must-start. I even think Moreau at tight end, the second tight end there, has been getting some TDs and some work the last few weeks. I also think he is a startable tight end this week. And I know it's a weak position and people are struggling. And I know he's on those waiver wires. If you don't have a good tight end or tight ends that have just not produced this year, my deep play this week for the Raiders is... Uh, is Moreau at tight end out of LSU rookie. All right, uh, we're going to move on to the Texans. The Texans, of course, Deshaun Watson is a must start. I think Carlos Hyde, based on goal line work, is a startable running back at flex. Mainly in standard leagues. Try to shy away from him in PPR if you can. But I do think the goal line work and the possibility of a ton of touches, I think Hyde is possibly a startable in PPR as well. Just know there's a lot more risk in PPR with Hyde. Had a down game last game. Duke Johnson is a risky flex play. He's been getting used more and more the last few weeks. They're definitely going to continue to use him in the passing game. So in PPR, he is a risky Boomer bust flex Duke Johnson. Hopkins is a locked in wide receiver one week in week out, and my deep play this week is Kenny Stills for the Texans. I don't know how deep that is. I guess he's been getting a lot of run this week because of Will Fuller going down, but I do believe Kenny Stills has a big week this week for the Houston Texans. And if you want to go super deep. And tight end, you're in a 16-team league or something crazy and all the tight ends are taken or just have nothing to choose from, Darren Fells at tight end has a chance to maybe score a touchdown, catch a touchdown in this game. I think when uh, defense is kind of blank at the outside, he uh, Watson tends to look over the middle, and that would be some Fells looks. Uh, but that would only be a very deep play at this point. Texans 31, Raiders 17. All right, we're going to move on to the Browns at the Patriots. This does not add up very well for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, OBJ is still startable. Nick Chubb is still startable. Uh, OBJ is a wide receiver, too. Nick Chubb is a very low risk, high risk, high reward running back this week, the Patriots. <clears throat> and Bill Belichick are very good at taking away what they think is your strong point. That is why the Patriots are the Patriots. Not only because they have the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, but they have the greatest coach of all time. 
And I think that's really not even close. Uh, You really can't compare any other coach in NFL history to Bill Belichick in my eyes. I know they've gotten accused of a lot of cheating and this and that. But I've watched Bill Belichick all the way back to his Giants days in the 80s. He is a defensive genius. You can say what you want about head coaching. Maybe you have him third, second, or whatever all time. I have him number one as a head coach as well. But as far as a defensive mind, he is the number one defensive mind all time as well in my eyes. And what he does the best is he takes away your strength, whatever that is. And so far this year, the strength for the Browns has not been Mayfield or OBJ. It's been Nick Chubb. So I do think they are going to spy him. They're going to make sure Nick Chubb doesn't hurt them. So I don't see Chubb killing it this week. I still think Chubb is startable. But I do think they're going to pressure him quite a bit. So don't expect a ton out of Chubb, but he is a st- he's so good that he's still startable at running back. Don't expect anything from Mayfield and those guys because the defensive backs for the Patriots could be the best group in football right now. I think the Rams are going to push that with Jalen Ramsey here pretty soon. Uh, but hands down, uh, the Patriots defensive backfield has just been active. I know they haven't played anybody, but they definitely are going to have the confidence. So Mayfield is not startable at quarterback. OBJ is a wide receiver two and a risky RB2 this week, but still has to be started considering where he was drafted. Nick Chubb is a startable RB2. Uh, There are no other startable assets against this Patriots defense in New England. There's going to be some rain there as well. I think that hurts OBJ and Mayfield even more. But OBJ is so dynamic, you still have to start him every week. On the Patriots side... Really not a good offense, to be honest with you. I, I I watch them, and I want to go to sleep. It is just such a boring offense to watch. But when you've got... Uh, uh, they're very creative. Uh, they get the job done on offense. They're just That's kind of been the MO of the Patriots. Outside of a few, Randy Moss season, a couple other seasons where Brady just had a ton of weapons when he was younger... Uh, but where he's at now, 40, you know, 42, 43 years old, uh, the muddled backfield, bringing Sanu in might change some stuff up, but they let Gordon go, so I don't know how much of a wash that is. So, uh, you know, the Browns have been struggling. So I'm going to go ahead and say Muhammad Sanu is a startable wide receiver this week. Edelman is a startable wide receiver too. I think Sanu kind of slides into the flex. Bilicek might be a little funky on getting him out there and going. I would say that, but Antonio Brown signed and was out there immediately. So Sanu is a startable wide receiver. Boomer bust wide receiver three this week. Edelman is a startable wide receiver two. Watson is a startable back end tight end one this week. And I think in that muddled backfield, it still has to be Sonny Michelle because of the touchdown work. Even though he gets vultured from time to time, you still got to stick to it with Michelle. He is a startable flex this week. Brady is not a startable quarterback in my eyes this week. I don't I don't have him top 12. You know, if you want to stretch it, go for it. I've got Patriots, of course, winning this game pretty handedly, too. I think it's going to be a 30 to 18 beating of the Browns. All right, we're going to move on to Sunday night. This is a decent... uh, Oh, before we get to Sunday night, there is one more game that i got to cover, guys. That is the Arizona Cardinals at the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Kyler Murray uh, is a risky start this week, but he is still startable. Out of that receiving core, it would be Fitzgerald. And Edmonds is your risky play at running back. I don't think uh, Johnson is going to play this week. He's, I think he's already been ruled out, by the way. I'm not sure on that. But either way, it's going to be Chase Edmonds. He's got the talent to make something happen, especially in the open field. So Edmonds, Fitzgerald, does a very risky boomer bust wide receiver three in Kyler Murray. On the Saints side, Breeze is going to play. So take Bridgewater out of your lineups. Drew Breeze is in at quarterback. Michael Thomas is a must start. Hill at tight end is a must start. And it looks like Kamara might not play. If that happens, Latavius Murray is a must-start. I've got Saints winning that game 35-24. to 24. All right, we're going to move on to the uh, Sunday night game. Uh, the Chiefs hosting the Green Bay Packers. Uh, on the Chiefs' side, 
it would be Damian Williams. Oh, I'm sorry, LaShawn McCoy at running back, Watkins at wide receiver, and Kelsey at tight end. On Green Bay side, it would be Aaron Rodgers, a must start. Out of that backfield, I would go with Williams. And Valdez Scantling if he starts. Jimmy Graham is a must start at tight end. And I've got the Chiefs still pulling this out 20 to 17. All right, guys, that my time ran out on the first hour. I'm going to go ahead and finish up these last two matchups for you. I'm going to restart on the Packers-Chiefs game. Uh, I had a little pause there at the end because it was me realizing my time in the first hour was running out. I didn't want to add another sponsored segment, so I'm just going to go ahead and start another segment here and finish up these last two matchups for you guys. On the Packers side against the Chiefs Sunday night, I think Williams and Jones are startable at running back. Jones is a must-start. Chiefs don't have a great run defense. Williams is a startable flex. Jones is a strong RB2, almost an RB1 in this game. Valdez Scantling, if he plays, is a startable wide receiver too. He's a little bit boomer bust. Gets a chunk of yards when he does get it. Rodgers isn't going to have a ton of guys to throw to. So I do think Scantling is your startable wide receiver there this week. The rest of it's a little bit too unpredictable. He's going to spread it around like he always does. Jimmy Graham is a must-start at tight end. He's a very good streaming tight end one this week. So Graham, Williams, Jones, Scantling, and Rodgers himself are all must-starts for the Packers this week against that Chiefs defense. On the Chiefs side... uh, I don't think Moore is startable at quarterback this week. I do think they're going to have to throw the ball to win this game. I've got the Chiefs winning out of desperation. It's another cornered animal game. I think they're trying to stay relevant. Packers have been on a roll. It's a Sunday night game. I know that the cards are stacked against them with the backup quarterback in there. Uh, But I think Andy Reid's going to find a way to win this game. I think LaShawn McCoy is the running back to look out for in that backfield. He is a startable, risky but startable flex this week for the Chiefs. Watkins is going to play. I would shy away from him. I'm worried about injury with him. He's one of those guys that can play a half a quarter and go out. When he first comes back from an injury, he's very, very, uh, at least his track record shows he could re-aggravate something and be a short outing for you guys. But he is startable, but just know that there's a ton of risk for Watkins. And the way they spread it to the rest of the receivers and not knowing what Matt Moore is exactly going to do, the only other startable, safe start in that passing game for the Chiefs this week is Travis Kelsey. So McCoy, Kelsey, and Watkins are your starters. A deep play would be McCall Hardman. An even deeper play would be, or a deep play would be Damian Williams. An even deeper play would be McCall Hardman on that offense because they are going to get something from somewhere. It's just hard to predict where, especially when you don't know who's more is going to go to because he's not Mahomes. It would be a different story with Matt Mahomes. They're trying to say he has a slight chance to play. I think, wait, no, actually this morning, I think I saw that he has been officially ruled out. So it is Matt Moore, uh, yeah, Matt Moore running the offense. Uh, I would shy away from Moore as well. Uh, it's pretty good pass defense there. They don't, have much of a run defense. That's why I think LaShawn McCoy could be the a strong sleeper here. So I'll stick with McCoy, Watkins, and Kelsey as your safe bets in KC. Once again, I have KC winning this game. I think it's going to be close. They're going to have to dig deep to do it because the Packers right now are playing better football. I just think that the Chiefs might want it more Sunday night. They're going to play desperate. They're going to. It's similar to that Eagles-Bills matchup earlier. So... Uh, that's how I think that game's going to go. It should be an interesting matchup. There is the slight chance that the Packers just come in there and roll through that place. Without Mahomes, uh, 
Packers, the way they've been playing, everything points to the Packers winning, but I just have a gut feeling kind of like the Eagles with the Bills where I think the Chiefs are going to put it all in in this game and figure out a way to make it happen. If I had to choose between the DSTs, I would choose the Packers D uh, against Matt Moore. I think there's going to be some mistakes there, maybe a fumble or two, an interception or two. So the DST for the Packers is startable this week. We're going to move on to the final matchup. It is the Miami Dolphins visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh Monday night. James Conner, locked and loaded start. I even think Juju Smith-Schuster with Rudolph back is a play at wide receiver finally. I think he is looking for that bounce back game. I think this could be it against a horrific Miami team that is pretty much going all in to lose all the games this year. The only risk here that could hurt their chances is Fitzpatrick's pretty decent quarterback in these type of situations when he has nothing to lose. You never know what's going to come out of that guy. Uh, So, uh, you know, do I think they're going to beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh? There's almost no chance. But I do think Fitzpatrick could make a few players relevant on his side. Uh, That being said, the Steelers' defense is a must-start this week. You got Connor, Juju, and I think McDonald at tight end is a startable asset. Johnson, rookie receiver, is your deep play for the Steelers this week. On the Miami side, I wouldn't touch any of the running backs. If I had to, if you're a Miami fan and you feel like you've got to play somebody... It would be Kenyon Drake over Belage, but I would shy away from any running backs. If you're in a deep two-quarterback 16 team or whatever, one of these crazy deep leagues, Fitzpatrick in garbage time trying to catch up because it will be a blowout, could get you some points at quarterback. Preston Williams, because of that same situation, garbage time trying to catch up. Devontae Parker and Preston Williams have some relevance in fantasy at wide receiver. If you want to go crazy deep and you're just in one of these crazy leagues where nothing is on the wave wire and it's a crazy deep league, Gasecki at tight end could be a decent stream at tight end with Fitzpatrick back there. I have the Steelers winning by probably 20, 25 points. I think it's going to be an absolute demolishment in Pittsburgh on a Monday night. I think Connor is going to have a big, big game, guys. Big game for Connor this week. If you want to uh, go deep, uh, even deeper on the Steelers side, I think Snell could get some work in a blowout. So he could be a streaming flex if you needed one. And that about covers it. That is our Week 8 matchups and relevant fantasy starters in each matchup. I appreciate you guys for listening. Sorry about the breakup in segments. Uh, I will try to pack it all in in the fastest hour in fantasy next week. I'll do my best to get it within that hour to make sure you guys get a quick chunk of information within each matchup each week. Any questions, hit me up at toddsfantasypicks at gmail.com or give me a follow and a banter on Twitter. My handle is at FFWT on Twitter. Uh, Good luck this week, guys. Any questions, feel free to hit me up. Until next week, I'm out.